From between the hedges at Sanford Stadium to the practice fields, from Stegman Coliseum and wherever else the Bulldogs are playing, it's time to talk Georgia sports. From the Athens Banner Herald, here are your hosts, Mark Weiser and Ryan Dennis. Welcome in. Georgia has hired a uh, new football assistant since our last show. It's also lost another coach since our last show. And Georgia basketball lost a couple more games. And an assistant coach looks on the way out. NFL Combines next week. UGA Pro Day comes after that. Uh, and Adam Anderson is going to be working out for the scouts in one form or another, the former Bulldog linebacker. And in this podcast, we're going to talk to Tom Hart of the SEC Network, who has the call for Georgia-Florida basketball Saturday in Stegman. Maybe we'll slide in some SEC football and baseball talk as well, Ryan. Yes, sir. Something's different. The weather outside is a little bit like spring-like, even though spring ball doesn't start till March 14th-ish, something like that. And Ryan has showed up to the office here in the studio wearing a T-shirt and shorts. Yep. I mean, I'm, I'm wearing my Washington football team T-shirt. No, uh, no shorts. Uh, no Cavaliers I, I, or what? what are their, what's their new name? Uh, Commanders? Maybe? Commanders. Yeah. Nope. Okay. Um, so I, I thought about it. So, uh, you know, I didn't go the shorts route like you did. Um, are you uh, ready for spring practice, spring ball, and uh, for this basketball season, Dad? Uh, yes, to all the above. Definitely ready for, for spring, spring ball. Uh, of course, you know that there's going to be a few cold days early on in that spring ball. So let's not get too excited yet. But, you know, I mean, isn't that what people say that uh, basketball, in the SEC anyway, basketball is the, uh, the the stuff you watch between the end of football season and spring practice, you know, that type of that type of deal. So I think uh, people in, in Georgia land especially are ready to, uh, you know, they're, they're on that high still from the national championship game. Basketball has become an afterthought and they're ready for uh, spring practice kind of like we are. Haven't heard what the um, arrangements are going to be for the spring uh, media access. I mean, um, COVID numbers are down and, uh, you know, mandates. Now, they haven't been ma- mandates in, in Georgia anyway, but around the country, they're, they're pretty much almost uh, entirely gone. So, uh, you know, I'd be fine if it's uh, 25 degrees, 30 degrees outside, but we have a chance to, to watch a little more uh, spring ball than we, what we did, uh, you know, in the fall. We, we saw... Uh, maybe a handful of practices we got out there, but uh, maybe even some in-person media uh, availability with uh, on a regular basis. Yeah, you know, I've seen the term endemic on newscasts lately. So does that mean it's finally coming to an end? We can do more things? Now, the thing we have to worry about, I mean, is Kirby going to say, you know, is, is he going to allow the 10-minute segments again that we can view or whatever? Or is it just going to yeah, be I would, like... Yeah, I would think that would be uh, in in the works. Uh, let, let's keep the talk of uh, endemic, pandemic uh, away. Uh, if, you, hey, if, you uh, check, if you check out the comments on our uh, no, podcast but, here, people don't like to, to hear see, about that. They want, they want you to stick to sports. No, they don't like talking about the pandemic, but they are excited about the endemic. Hey, this is a reminder that um, early in the show, I can remind that uh, why don't you crank up a five-star review uh, on the Apple Podcasts uh, not for my sake. I mean, I, I can take no, not seeing any any reviews, but Ryan is very sensitive. A lot of times he uh, he texts me and says nothing's new on there. <laughs> While weeping. <laughs> uh, so, uh, no, we really appreciate it if you, uh, you you give a review. You know, even if you give a four-star, that, that would be okay. Just a little comment. Say, more Ryan, less market. You know, constructive <laughs> criticism. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Hey, 
while we're at it, hey, uh, you know, we, we get in this business not for awards, but we like to get a little, uh, you know, recognition every now and then. And uh, Mark Weiser over here has garnered uh, four top ten Associated Press Sports Editors Awards again after winning uh, three of the categories, I think, last year. So congrats to you, uh, Mark Weiser, and our staff. I think we had seven total APSE awards for our coverage of uh, everything from Georgia sports to high school to recruiting and, and, and everything in between. So uh, congrats. That's very kind of you to even mention. Didn't know you were doing that, Ryan. Uh, I didn't either. R- Ryan with a couple uh, of uh, top ten awards himself. Look, we're just trying to catch up with Nicobe Dean and bring home as much hardware as him, and yeah. um, you know the decorated Georgia football players. Uh, we don't have a natty, of course. You know, we can only look at Georgia's three. What are they like three different ones now that they were presented? A couple more at the championship mm-hmm. celebration, uh, and that includes Matt Luke. He was able to take a lot of photos with the uh, championship trophy, and he is uh, walking away, stepping down. Down after uh, the national championship um, to spend more time with his family, he says uh, in the announcement that Georgia put out Monday. He has two boys. I believe they might be around middle school age. He's only 45 years old, and that's pretty young for a college coach. But he's been doing it for 23 years, was a, uh, a head coach at Ole Miss, and that uh, seems like a pressure cooker type job considering how much uh, shenanigans have gone on in that, uh, you know, yeah. with that program in the last uh you know, decade or so. It's been a lot, yeah. Um, but he made $900,000 uh, at Georgia annually. That's a lot of money. Um, you know, and he got a lot more from Ole Miss as the head coach. So, you know, I mean, the fact that he has the ability to to, to say, uh, you know, I want to spend – and I, I can you can appreciate that. I mean, his kids are going to be school age for a certain window of time, and then who knows, maybe they go to college, uh, you know, away from the family and that kind of thing. So does he coach again? Oh, definitely. I don't think this is the the end of Matt Luke, uh, and I expect him to, to pop up somewhere. I'm not so sure that a head coach somewhere is not, you know, on his radar again. But, you know, I think about this a lot when I'm out, especially Athens Academy, because, you know, they have a lot of, uh, you know, coaches' kids on the team. You know, uh, the, the Kirby Smart's kids, I think, go there and all that. You hear of, uh, you know, Will Muschamp did a story on uh, his son moving in there last year. But, you know, they never get to attend these games. When, they, when they're in their high school age because they're out with the football team either on the road or rounding them up to put them in the Georgia Center. You know, they, they don't make it out to their own kids' games, and I bet that takes a toll on them a lot. So if that's what he's doing for a few years before he gets back into coaching, I don't, I don't think anybody uh, can not respect what he's doing there. I think they, they have a chance to uh, sneak away on occasion to get some family time. Uh, you know, uh, I, I saw Kirby Smart at a youth soccer game uh, I, with, I guess it was one of his daughters. This is back several years ago. Um, Berating the ref? No? No, oh, he okay. was kind of doing his own thing. And, and, you know, I didn't even, you know, walk across and say hi because, you know, that's a chance for him to, to not be the football coach at Georgia. It's a chance to be Kirby Smart, the dad. And, I know uh, Brian McClendon, uh, I saw him as well at a, at a soccer game. His first uh, go-round as a Georgia coach, um, I think it was his son that was playing um, back then. So, you know, I think most places you can you can get uh, a little bit of a window to do that, but not enough, and, and the hours are, are long, and there's never an off time. I mean, you're probably always texting a kid about, uh, you know, recruiting somebody. You know, it's just never-ending. And, uh, you know, things pop up um, when you don't expect it. So it's uh, it's not the most glamorous um, 
hours for a job, but also the pay is is very uh, attractive. So yeah, the, those are the things you balance. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I, to answer your first question, I, I think there's definitely more coaching in the future of Matt Luke. And like I said, I, that could be from anywhere from uh, offensive line coach. Maybe he gets into a coordinator position and back into a head coach position because he didn't do bad at Ole Miss, to be honest with you. And uh, so, you know, and then Georgia scooped him up in what about a week's time after he was uh, kind of let go there at, at Ole Miss. So I think he's a well-respected coach. There's all, there's going to be opportunities out here there for him. And, you know, I don't I don't know that it's going to be that long until he's back uh, on the sideline. Well, I mean, he didn't he didn't make it seem like he was about to jump back in, you know, maybe maybe in in a year or two. Should uh, I bring up Urban Meyer? No, you know, he was he left for family reasons three or four times and always made his way back. I mean, I don't I wouldn't necessarily compare <laughs> compare, <laughs> compare the two of those. I'm just guys. saying uh, the the mindset of a coach, not um, necessarily uh some other things. Yeah, I, I would imagine the next time we do a podcast that uh, Kirby will have announced uh, a replacement uh, for Matt Luke who obviously succeeded Sam Pittman. And those are big shoes to fill. And, and, you know, Georgia, you know, has still has a lot of talent in the uh, offensive line room, you know, with Amarius Mims, with Broderick Jones, et cetera, uh, you know, and the next coach is walking into a good situation in terms of what that offensive line looks like. Cedric Van Prang Granger at, at center, Warren McClendon, right tackle, obviously, and, um, you know, so some of the names uh, that have already been a Georgia offensive line coaches have cropped up. Will Friend, who's now at Auburn, Stacy Serrells, who is at North Carolina, are some of the names. Um, you know, but as we'll talk about with the, the hire that's gone on, um, I think since our last show, mm-hmm. Fran Brown hired from Rutgers as the DBs coach. I mean, I don't think his name was being bandied about initially when the you know Jamel Adai left for Miami. So uh, we'll see what Kirby has in store. Um, you know, but let's talk about Fran Brown now. Um, what did you make of that hire? He's a guy that um, is from New Jersey, Camden, New Jersey. Um, it's kind of tied at the hip uh, to a certain extent career-wise with uh, the former Baylor coach, now the head coach of the Panthers, Matt Rule. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt Rule worked with uh, Fran Brown as a coach at Western Carolina. Um, he was on the staff there when Fran Brown played there, and Fran Brown worked with Matt Rule at Temple, went with him to Baylor, and um, then returned to Temple before he went back to Rutgers. So he can recruit. He's a, a guy that's been in the business for a while. And, um, you know, Kirby uh, got him to come to an SEC program coming off a national championship and, um, you know, Paying him handsomely, I think yeah. it's eight twenty-five. He was already getting paid seven hundred and fifty. Or is, is that's it? eight dollars twenty-five an hour? Or is that <laughs> <laughs> maybe? Maybe I'm, let me, I need to double check. I read the story yesterday, but I think it was that. Maybe it was. Uh, go ahead and talk for well, a second. Say, <laughs> well, my thinking about all these hires is that it's clear that for these positions, like a uh, I don't know, say a linebackers coach, a defensive backs coach, uh, you know that type of stuff. He's looking for a young, energetic guy who can connect well with these. You know, up Correct, correction, correction. Seven fifty, up from six seventy five. Go ahead. Gotcha. So you know, he's going out. He's trying to find these these guys that are you know he have made a name you know in their young career as connecting, recruiting, and you know can can really get in with these athletes. And man, you know how Kirby's like gung ho about this recruiting. I mean, that's he, he he makes no bones about it being where everything starts. 
And, man, he's going out getting these young guys coming in. They're going to be passionate. They're joining a national championship team coming from the likes of, what, TCU, uh, Rutgers. I mean, these are these are places that, that you know, people are using as a, as a jumping-off point to get to a place like the University of Georgia. Man, they're going to hit the ground running. And I think they're great hires. Fran Brown, 39 years old, not even as, uh, you know, he's, he's not a spring chicken when you think of that as Georgia staff now. I mean, Glenn Schumann uh, is a good defensive coordinator. He's younger than they mm-hmm. just hired the new outside linebackers coach. And McClendon's, I think, younger than that as well. But, you know, certainly young in the in the coaching mm-hmm. profession. But but on this staff, uh, it, they seem to be trending younger. Um, except, you know, Todd Munkin's obviously not as young as those guys, but been around and, and leading the offense. And, uh, he, I mean, you know, and when you think about a Will Muschamp, uh, I don't know how you describe how he kind of fell into place there, but that was obviously somebody with Georgia ties with a lot of experience. And when that kind of fell in Georgia's lap, you know, you you you, you kind of take it and run with it. And to have that experience with these young guys, I think, is uh, it's a good little core there that, that Kirby has. All right. Hey, you know, we're kind of pushing up against our Tom Hart interview, which is scheduled. But so let's kind of cram in here in the four. Now it's just turned into three minutes. Oh, so because uh, I don't know if it'll come up with our conversation with Tom, but a lot of drama with Georgia basketball since we last podcast. Uh, Wade Mason, uh, the assistant coach, is now on the way out, it seems um, certainly suspended and, and maybe not going to coach again this year or uh, probably ever at Georgia, uh, got into a halftime confrontation, physical uh, confrontation, uh, altercation, whatever you want to call it, with Brian Fish. He was on the support staff. This was at LSU. Uh, Mason, I, I'm told, uh, you know, uh, kind of pushed Fish and uh, got suspended with pay. Um, and uh, look, I mean, most people are, are expecting, and I think rightly so, that um, you know, this entire staff is likely to be gone in a couple of weeks. Um, you know, maybe there's a support staffer that, that kind of holds things together if there's a coaching change. Um, the other part of that, you know, that was just one element. Uh, Tom Crean's postgame Zoom from the uh, game Saturday against Ole Miss, a, uh, was a 17-point loss. Ty Fagan, 20 points to lead Ole Miss. Former uh, Bulldog Ty Fagan. Yeah. Um, his Zoom ended. But it wasn't shut off, so some Tom Crean comments was picked up. Now, Ryan, I was out of town for the weekend, and Ryan was gracious enough to jump on there and fill in some gaps on that Mason story, get Crean's comments. Um, but Ryan jumped off because he was ready to update the story online. Mm-hmm. Um, one reporter, um, our friend Jordan Hill, who's now with uh, Dogs 247, uh, he stayed on and heard Tom Crean uh, saying that the leak of the information from uh, on the Mason Fish deal was uh, he kind of uh, pointed the finger at a GA, mm-hmm. and then he he kind of uh, pretty sharp critique of Aaron Cook, saying um, you know he's not as good as he thinks he is, uh, something to that effect. I, you know my story's uh, up online from after Tuesday's loss to um, Texas A and M, where you know you can read the full quote in there. Uh, is that fair game? Um, him talking uh, after a press conference like that. I mean, yeah, that right. I mean, nobody. There's no official. Uh, hey, you stop listening at this point and and get off the Zoom. I did because I mean, uh, you know, Tom Green's always the last person we talk to, and I wanted to get his quotes in and get your story uh, uh, updated there. And so I jumped off. But hey, uh, it's funny because I was texting Jordan at the time, and uh, you know, he would mention that he had stayed on for a little bit longer, and. Then, uh, you know, kind of reported all that stuff. But I don't see anything uh, against that uh, integrity-wise because 
that's just stupidity on their part, if you ask me. Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing. If Kirby walks off the uh, the stage uh, at Buttsmere at an in-person press conference and, you know, makes a comment to somebody in the hallway, something like, you know, that question about whatever was ridiculous and it's an earshot, you know, people are not going to ignore it. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, coaches that are, you know, I'm sure Tom Green, in retrospect, uh, you know, regrets talking in front of a live mic like that. He's been around long enough and, and um, uh, you know, so... Um, it is what it is, and uh, we'll talk more about Georgia basketball now coming up and a lot of other things with Tom Hart. By the way, the Bulldogs are now 6-22, 1-14 in the SEC. Hmm. And uh, let's bring on Tom. All right, joining us now is uh, Tom Hart from the SEC Network, who uh, you see year-round calling uh, SEC football baseball, basketball, and he'll be on the call for the uh, men's basketball team's game fr- uh, Saturday. I was going to say Friday. They don't play Friday night. Saturday uh, in Stegman, noon tip. Tom, I appreciate you joining us. If, if the game is on Friday, then I can op- <laughs> that opens up my entire weekend. <laughs> we can make plans. we got to do something else in addition. There was a rare yeah, SEC uh, game last Friday, right? No, I think it was, it was Friday and Sunday, wasn't it? Okay. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, yeah. In fact, I was that, that was Missouri and Mississippi State. I talked to Conzo. I had uh, Missouri midweek against Tennessee, and he said, I, you know, I kind of liked it because you go Friday, Sunday, the same team back to back, and it's very, it would be very Ivy League, and it would never happen, uh, but it is intriguing, sure. You've had some uh, Georgia games this season, but aren't you know locked in on them game after game like uh, the folks that that, that follow them. Uh, Tightly, when you see where they are now, which is six and twenty-two, one and fourteen in the SEC, what do you think of kind of the state of things? I mean, this is a team that was picked to be last in the SEC. I don't know if you thought it would kind of unfold like this. Well, I was there for two of the biggest wins, the two biggest wins of the season, uh, the Memphis game, um, which you know looks better and better every day. Um, that. That was the Memphis team in transition at the time. And Penny, I mean, they got their own soap operas going on over there, but trying to figure out who they are and, and work in a 17-year-old uh, point forward and Monty Bates. And the, uh, and the Alabama game, um, I, I think if you look at both of those games from the opposition's perspective, it's kind of easy to see how they both played out. Alabama – was in a flux at that point where we all thought they were better, but the one thing that they were doing was they were playing down to their level of competition. Um, and that, in fact, kind of, I don't want to say it's turned Alabama's season around because they're still not where they're expected to be, but Nate Oates kept his team in the locker room for an hour after that game, and they, they had a long heart-to-heart to try to figure out where they were. So uh, I, I look at it through the lens of, of those two games, and I thought those were huge wins for the program. And I think that, if I'm not mistaken, the Memphis game was Crane's 400th win. Um, but the transfer portal give us and take us away, right? So if you're Iowa State and you had two wins last year, you can completely revamp your roster and you can get off to a 12-0 start and be a top-20 team and, and work your way into the NCAA tournament. Jamie Dixon did the same thing at TCU this other examples throughout the country how teams have reinvented themselves, and not necessarily with new coaches, but sometimes that's the case. 
And I think Georgia, if you look at where the roster is, um, basically where you expect them to be given everything that they've lost. You know, you, you just can't lose your top five players um, and expect that you're going to be able to, to compete in a league like the SEC. So it is what it is, I think, is a fair way to phrase it. So what I got from that, Georgia fans should be uh, happy that you're on the call against Florida, right? I mean, that's an automatic win. <laughs> that's right. Hey, I got the next two games. Uh, I got Florida and Tennessee. A little streak uh, for Georgia. Crazy, crazy, crazy things have happened. You know, um, it's college basketball has always been weird. Late in the year, teams, you know, the, to me, most most upsets happen late in, in the season. For a variety of reasons, teams are tired. They're they're injured. Um, they're just mentally burned out. And you've got athletes that can have a big game. I mean, look what Kerry Alquendo is is capable of. Uh, we've seen some big games from him over the course of the season. And once we learn, now we know what everyone's identity is. Right? There's no guessing who Georgia is. Or um, I mean. I guess to me in the in the league, the biggest surprise is South Carolina. Like we're learning more about them every game, but generally speaking, we know who everybody is, uh, and, and therefore the the upsets or the opportunities become more evident. So who knows? I mean, I, 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 nothing would surprise me at this point in the year. A, a, a big topic of conversation when it comes to Georgia basketball is Stegman Coliseum. You know, it was built in 1956 or something to host rodeos, and they're still playing basketball and things. So you travel around, you know, the SEC a lot more than we do and, and be as harsh or as kind as you'd like. But where does it stack up as far as some other places that, that you see? First of all, I had – no knowledge that that used to that that used to host rodeos, or that that's why. I, now I got to dig into that. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do a deep dive. Um, it's you know it's bottom of the league. Obviously, I mean depends on what you're looking for, but um, you know it's Mississippi State, Georgia, Vanderbilt. Although I like I like Vanderbilt. I think it has charm and the the balconies and the the baseline benches. Um, I like that it's a little bit different. Um, I'm just kind of glancing down at a at a Georgia schedule, and everybody on there has a newer arena. I mean, everybody, right? Except uh, Mississippi State may not be as old, but that. So yeah, I mean, you're looking at Mississippi State and Bandy and, and Georgia, and they're all in the in the same place. It all comes back to recruiting, right? I mean, to me, the question is, what impact does that facility have on getting kids to come to your campus i think tom cream and his staff and the marketing people have done an amazing job over the last few years in drumming up support for this program anthony edwards certainly helped but you know cream beating the bushes and getting people to show up and the atmosphere has been better there uh, than it has in a long time it, it comes down to the fans though like it, to invest in a program and there's a great article, uh, once again, I just came from doing a Missouri game, and, and uh, the future of that coaching staff is in question. And one of their sites, Rock End Nation, did a deep dive on, you know, how do you, how do you get here, what's the future of, of that coaching situation, and how do financials and, and support play into it. And their numbers stated that since uh, SEC expansion, 
the three teams who have invested um, the least in their in their basketball programs were South Carolina, Georgia, and Missouri. And their point being that you know Missouri's actually outperformed what the expectations have been based on the the financial investment. But it's really hard to do, and you and you've got to get lucky. And um, you know Missouri had a five star recruit, Michael Porter Jr., kind of, uh, and and his brother essentially fall into their lap and kind of help outperform those expectations and get some key transfers that outperformed what anyone thought they could do. Um, so if you're not investing in your pro- – you get what you what you put into it, right? If you're not investing in the program, uh, then I, I, don't, I think it's hard to expect a regular winner. And that investment, to me, goes beyond the dollars. It's, um, it's fan involvement, and it's, it's fan support. And, and I'm not just talking about the guys who write the big checks to get their name on the building or their name on the court. It's, it's the families that – you know, are willing to drive over there for a game and willing to take a Saturday afternoon to support Georgia or, you know, even that's just to come to Athens and go to their favorite restaurant and go see a game. I was shocked. Um, was it was it the Alabama game that was the same day as the football celebration? You guys would know that. I, th- I think it was. I'm trying to think of another game that I was there for. Um well, that, that tells you something. We were all Maybe. in on the parade more than the basketball. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think I think it was Alabama. Now, I, I could be wrong. Yeah, they didn't. Um, they didn't. Uh, let's see, Vanderbilt. That was Vanderbilt. No, that was a, that was a Saturday. It was a Saturday. Yeah, the fifteenth. Right? It was it? Vanderbilt. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Saturday, January fifteenth. Okay, so uh, uh, so maybe I'm not as good luck as uh, as uh, <laughs> I pretended to be. Yeah, lost that Vanderbilt game. I was stunned. I was honestly stunned. Um, there are a hundred thousand people in town for that celebration, right? I mean, if you, if you, I mean, that's the, those are the numbers that, that Georgia touted between the parade and everybody who, who poured into the stadium. And Greg Sankey takes the podium and he says, "I have prepared remarks, but I'm I'm not even going to use them. All I can tell you is I do this just about every year, and this is the most impressive turnout I've ever seen." Um, I walked into Stegman that day. I showed up late because all the streets were shut down, trying to get across campus after shoot-around. And my assumption was, and call me naive, was, well, if you have 100,000 people within walking distance of this building and 100,000 diehard Georgia fans, certainly some percentage of those fans are going to trickle into the basketball game. I was shocked at how empty relatively speaking, the arena was for that game. I really was. I, I thought I thought here's a perfect opportunity if you're a Georgia fan. You spent all day in Athens. You did the parade. Go grab lunch. Come over. See the basketball team. Drive back to wherever you're going. Um, that, that to me, kind of epitomizes. There, there's your thumbnail for where the basketball program stands uh, with the fan base from, from where I my, – my vantage point. Tom, uh, SEC basketball tournament on the men's side is a couple weeks away. Auburn, Kentucky, Arkansas, Tennessee all bunched up within two games of each other. What does that mean for the SEC tournament in Tampa? Is there a team you think could sneak up on folks? Like you mentioned South Carolina and, um, you know, Georgia, we presume will be uh, one or two days and done. Yeah, I think South Carolina um, has – feasted, and I, I said this before the season, the, the bottom third of the league was going to be bad enough that if you could just win your games against the bottom third 
as a mediocre team, I'm not talking about Auburn or Kentucky, the teams are supposed to win all those games. Uh, if you could feast on the bottom third, you could really catapult up the standings. Um, and I think that's what Frank Martin's team has done, what the program has done. And they've gotten better and healthier as the season's gone on. So I don't know that there's much heft there in terms of them pulling off of an upset, say, in the quarterfinals or the semifinals. Uh, the team that I really have my eye on is Arkansas. They're well-balanced. Um, they're well-balanced to compete in this league. They, their guard play has been tremendous with J.D. Note, um, who, who's not just a good offensive player um, and one of the best in the league in terms of you know, being up there amongst the league leaders in scoring. But he's also a great defensive player, and he's been the, the key to their team. Uh, they're big. They're, their guards are two and three guards go 6'6", six, 6'6". Six, six, six. Um, so they have length on the wings. The guy who really stands out to me is Stanley Amude, who um, he's six six. He he plays a guard. He's a great shooter. He helps spread the floor and take a lot of pressure off of JD Note. You know they went to the Elite Eight last year. Um, I think they're a team that um, they've got some quality wins. They, they knocked off Auburn and gave them the first conference loss, but they also have great momentum. So I, I think that once they get into the postseason, whether that's the SEC tournament or the NCAA, they can really make some noise. Let's talk a little football. Now, I know you're unbiased with the SEC Network, but during that championship game, was a part of you pulling for Georgia to finally uh, break down that wall and, and win one? Of course. Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I think it's – I think the biggest problem college football has right now, and it's, it's uh, the commissioners of other conferences decided not to address it, is um, – the lack of parity at the top, right? And so, obviously, Georgia is elite, and they've been there uh, from a spending standpoint, a recruiting standpoint, a fan support standpoint. Um, but to get to get over that hump and to cross that threshold and to enter that club, I think I was pulling for that not just because I have Georgia people that I like and I think the program's in a great place, uh, but I think it's good for college football. I think a little bit of diversity – um, is good. I mean, that's like you could argue if you're an outsider, you could say, well, they, they, just because they're, they were a 1.5 percenter doesn't mean that the, the wealth isn't still congregated in the top one, one and a half percent. Um, but I think it's good to have a fresh name up there. And I look at what Kirby has done and to reach that goal based on what he knew that they needed to do and to put the work in. Uh, and that's all encompassing, right? Um, but he had a vision when he came in there, and he he got the ball rolling. It's just it's proof that it's not easy, uh, and that even if you're in the right place, you've got to make the right thing happen. And and they did. Uh, so yeah, it, it was fun to see, and and it was an incredibly talented team. The Stetson Bennett, the quarterback soap opera all season was just fascinating to me. I, I mean, I, I couldn't. I couldn't get my eyes off of it. It was it was this Rubik's cube that no one could really figure out. So good for Stetson Bennett and and good for Georgia. I don't think you had a Georgia game this this season. Um, the Saturday night SEC network crew, um, you know, was other places most of the time. But how much did you get a chance to kind of absorb what was going on in Athens um, from you know not in the booth, but, but in a different SEC city. And, and what do you make of kind of, um, you mentioned all the uh, things in place to, to get this program to this level. Um, you know, 
is this the new Alabama after just one national championship? Do you see this as sustainable for the next decade? Well, I was lucky enough to, uh, to, to be in Athens for the spring game and, or maybe we did that remotely now that I think about it. Actually, I think we did. Uh, regardless, um, I had plenty of time with the coaches and coordinators and, and, uh, a lot of time with JT Daniels, as it were, talking about his approach to the game, some individual players. So that, that was kind of my lead into the season. And I, I believe in that team from the get go, especially with the weapons they had. Um, now, I was waiting to see, as we all were, is this wide receiver core going to be able to contribute at a high level, and can they be better later in the year than they were at the beginning? The tight ends were amazing, and I kind of saw that in the spring game uh, to an extent, at least based on how excited the coaches were, that those were the expectations. But I thought it was all going to be JT Daniels. I mean, I, you know, that, that was our expectation, that this guy was going to be the one to take him to the next level and to allow them to operate the offense, um, and not just an, an efficient level, but also from an explosive play standpoint to bring something that Georgia hadn't had in a long time. Uh, to, so to win in, in a different form is, is very impressive. And so, yeah, that was, um, you know, that was – a team that obviously everybody followed closely all year to kind of figure out can they can they reach their goals with um, with a, a guy who I mean like where else would Stetson Bennett have started at quarterback and and how impactful were the plays that he made as a willing runner to open up the offense and and what are the values and and what kind of if, if I guess what I'm trying to ask you is what's the What's the point value of leadership at that position? Now, because he, he brought something behind closed doors I think nobody saw. And uh, a lot of that happened behind closed doors. There weren't a lot of – and I, I hate it that there's not more open practices. I tried to get up there in August but didn't get the chance to um, because I think people would be fascinated to see how this is all coming together. You know, if you cover an Alabama game, just in comparison um, – you know, and, and I work with an Auburn guy, right, Cole Kubler, who's down on the sideline. Um, you're welcome to come to practice on Thursday and see everything that they're doing. And there, are, there, there's no curtains being put up. Um, and so you learn a lot about how those players react to Saban and the coaching staff, and how competitive those practices are. And once you're exposed to that, it's easy to see why they've been successful for so long. I've always said you go to an Alabama. Thursday practice and, and people on that field are more invested than any other practice. And you break it down like this. The, the starters are obviously playing for an NFL contract and, and a first-round pick, if not trying to be a top-five pick. The backups are a year away from being that guy. The walk-ons are playing to be part of the program, to wear a ring, to come back every Saturday after they graduate and wear their letter jacket and flash the ring and say, yeah, we, got a, we had a title too. So everyone is invested, and you don't, you don't see that at every practice. So what Kirby has built is, is very similar to that in that you can be tough on your players, you can be demanding. If the players know that there's a payoff at the end, that, that you're making them better, and that applies to every player. That applies to the guys who are going to be first-round picks and the guys who are two years from being first-round picks and the guys that are willing to play special teams to get an opportunity to shine, and the guys that are just tackling dummies 
who uh, will have a point of pride for the rest of their adult lives by saying, yeah, I played on a championship program. Tom, during that uh, parade we were talking about earlier, uh, Jordan Davis, the lovable defensive lineman, pulls up his uh, Georgia shirt or whatever. You know, he's got the Braves jersey on. He said, go Braves and go dogs." And uh, obviously with your ties to the, to the Braves, you know, uh, what did that championship mean you know, to you? Did it mean anything? Was it special, uh, you know, that the Braves won? And, and I guess this whole area gets to enjoy two championships. You know, what a year. Man, that was awesome. I, I just thought it was so cool. Um, I'm a I'm a huge Brian Snitker fan, um, and and I'm a fan of the you know he Brian Snitker is essentially um, you know he works in a widget factory. He's he's a worker bee. He is a dedicated team employee who has been. Um, you know, he's been both promoted and demoted at the same company, and he's stuck around. <laughs> and, you know, he's a guy who was who was managing in, in Durham in the Carolina League when all those baby Braves came through that would be such a key component to the mid-'90s um, power teams. Um, he was managing at AA when guys like McCann and Frank Core came through. Um, every Everybody who's anybody who's come through the organization has played for him. And there are times the organization did him wrong. And, and talking with people around the organization, even middle of the season, there was a, a real frustration that he wasn't given the tools that he needed to be successful. So to see what you – know, to look at a big picture and to see that Alex Anthopoulos made the right moves and gave him enough pieces and those guys played hard for Brian Snicker and to do it without Ronald Acuna – um, and to see a championship come to, to Freddie Freeman and, and all those guys, every, all the crap that he had to put through when they went through a rebuild that was not really a rebuild, it was just a teardown. Um, it's, it's less the, the name on the front of the jersey that I pull for, for in those situations that I'm, I'm really proud of the time I spent with them and, and living here in Atlanta. It's really the names on the back of the jerseys, you know, to see when you see the work that people put in. And to finally see it rewarded, I thought it was really cool. Smith was at, um, shoot, it may have been that Vandy game, um, but he came by. He came by one of the games, and I went over and I, I asked him. I said, "Hey, can you come on air with us? Um, we're going to." I take it back. This was uh, this was back. This was a non-conference game. It might have been the Memphis game uh, because it was it was before football had won it all, and. Um, it was actually further back than that. I'd have to look at the schedule. Anyway, I, I said, "Hey, Snick, can you, you want to come on air with us? Talk to us about what what you what you've been through and what's going going on with you right now, and, and how your life has changed." And he, honest to God, guys, Brian Snicker, when he got on air with me, and I, I asked him that same question, he goes, "Oh, my life is amazing now. <laughs> I mean, look at this. I'm sitting here next to you. I'm, I'm talking. To, I'm sitting next to Tom Hart." And I went, "Are you kidding me?" And he didn't say it with an ounce of sarcasm. That's just, he's just a great guy. He, you know, he's a salt of the earth. And so he was there hanging out with Scott Strickland, and um, they're staying at the house that weekend. That was, that was early December. That was the, the Memphis game, I think. And he had, he had been there earlier for, a, uh, for one of the last football games, uh, the second to last football games. He had come through and gone to it. So I just, you know, I, I root for the guy, and I was so happy to see him have that success. 
Unfortunately, it doesn't look like uh, we're too close to <laughs> MLB starting up. So, uh, Tom, you might need to put on your Korean baseball analyst hat again. And, uh, or, or play I still play. have that hat. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, in the meantime, we will look forward to seeing you Saturday uh, on the broadcast. See if you can uh, weave in a, a little rodeo mention somehow. It uh, exists. We looked it up. All right. It happened. Yep. I got to uh, – yeah, I, I, I'm going to Google right now. Segment. <laughs> Coliseum <laughs> Rodeo. And we'll see what we can find. Oh, yeah. Appreciate it. It was a thing. Thanks uh, Thanks for joining us, and uh, safe travels uh, on the drive up 316, I assume. <laughs> thanks so much. I appreciate it. I can't get a hotel room. It's going to be a drive. There'll be no, there's no hotel rooms available in Athens these days. Huh. It's unbelievable. Is there a parade this weekend? <laughs> <laughs> All right, hey, th- <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it is. See ya. Thanks. All right. Thanks, guys. Take care. All right, we thank Tom Hart from uh, SEC Network ESPN for joining us. Ryan, before we uh, kind of wrap up with some football, um, mostly football stuff, I want to give you a chance. You wrote a column this week where you uh, lobbied for Jonas Hayes to come back as Georgia's basketball coach. Now, generally, Mm -hmm. the guy won't really get into that kind of thing until there's a coaching change, with (laughs) with all due respect, since I'm covering a team where... I do interviews with the head coach, yeah. and I don't want to be like, "Hey, Tom, what do you think of uh, this guy replacing you?" Or you know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I considered that one before I wrote it. I was yeah. like, "Is this the right but time?" But, but it seemed like the right time. I'm going to direct people to uh, you know, go to online Athens and read it. If you haven't subscribed, go ahead and do that. We had a great special this week, uh, Ryan. In a nutshell, since we are mm-hmm. uh, kind of wrapping up the show, mm-hmm. why do you think Jonas should be the guy? Well, as I stated in the in the column, I mean, this is a guy who, you know, he cut his teeth kind of with the Bulldogs uh, for six years with, with Mark Fox and his staff. Obviously, he and Jonas, or Jarvis, excuse me, his uh, twin brother, who everybody remembers from the early 2000s, uh, you know, they were great players here, but they love the Bulldogs. I mean, we, we see that. Uh, through social media, they're not shy about posting, you know, what the school means to us. I talked to Jarvis uh, Hayes, actually, right before the Georgia National Championship, trying to get some uh, kind of celebrity and whatnot uh, takes on how Georgia would do in the in the National Championship game. And, you know, he talked about his love for, for the Bulldogs. And uh, we talked a little bit off the record. He wouldn't say too much, you know, about uh, about anything that he's heard rumor-wise. And, uh, you know, I'll keep that between <laughs> between us. But uh, you could just tell, man, he loves Georgia. And if, if Jonas came back, it'd be great if he brought Jarvis with him. And, you know, two guys, I think, that, that can have an influence, kind of like the – uh, you know, the young and enthusiastic recruiters we were talking about earlier joining the, the Georgia football staff. I feel like they would bring that. And plus, they have the Georgia uh, past and the history and the love for the sport. And they just seem like the right fit. And Georgia tried that splashy hire. They tried Tom Crean. You know, I, you, you can't compare yourself right now with the, the Auburn's hiring Bruce Pearl or uh, who Tennessee with uh, Rick Barnes, that type of stuff. That that's not where Georgia needs to go. Try try you know people that love this program who have proven in Jonas that he could recruit guys like Yante Maiten, SEC Player of the Year. You know he might have had a hand in KCP. I can't remember who was really in on on getting K, uh, Kentavious here, but a guy that brought in some great players to this program, and I just think he has that connection around Atlanta that that the Bulldogs really need to bring in some of these Georgia players. I think the Rick Barnes um, hire by Tennessee is not 
too dissimilar from what Georgia hiring Tom Crean in that, you know, they, they both were had a, a measure of success um, getting to the postseason and Crean Sweet 16s at Indiana, Final Four at Marquette. Um, but, you know, Bar- Barnes wasn't out of coach and he went straight from, you know, losing the Texas job to into Tennessee. But the difference is, you know, he's made it work there. It hadn't hadn't worked, obviously, f- at Georgia. So I was say, I was never against the Crean hire right. from the beginning. You right. didn't think it would turn out like this. But right. I think this proves that you don't have to make a splashy hire. I mean, because we've seen that it can be really good at a place like Auburn. It can be really bad at a place like Georgia. And I don't think Georgia's in that position to, to do that again. All right, let's talk about flip it back to football. Um, Adam Anderson's going to work out for Pro Scouts in Athens. Um, he's uh, still uh, has a rape felony charge, um, you know, that he was arrested for. They haven't um, worked that way through the legal system. But um, I was in the courthouse last week when um, his attorney uh, sought to get his bond terms uh, adjusted so he could get back to Athens. He's banned from being in this uh, judicial district, which includes Athens. Um, it's supposed to be outside of that. Uh, but Georgia's Pro Day is March 16th. The court said, yes, you can come back for UGA's Pro Day. Now, UGA hasn't said whether they're going to take him back for the Pro Day. But if they don't, um, then he will do a private workout in front of scouts already in town for the Pro Day. Should he be allowed to take part in UGA's Pro Day? Oh, man, that's a loaded question. I mean, I, I it hadn't worked its way through the legal system. I, I'd say I'd say for Georgia, it'd be on their best uh, behalf not to have him do it. I mean, do it if it hadn't worked them. his way through. Um, then uh, innocent until proven guilty, I guess, right? Well, I mean, yeah, you could say that. I mean, I, I don't know. I guess, you know, he's, he's not in school in Georgia anymore. Um, yeah, I mean, I think ultimately – uh, Kirby will have a lot of say in it, but it also might be on the other side of campus. Who was it a few years ago that worked out in Oconee County? And I don't think this was legal related, but they went out with Schumann. Is that well? That was co- that was in COVID when there wasn't um, okay, okay when there wasn't a pro day. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. 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 So I just wondered uh, if they would do something like that again for a guy who's not in you know not mm-hmm. in jail, so has a trial coming. But if scouts would come out to say Oconee mm-hmm. County or something to watch Adam Anderson. Speaking of the pre-draft process, um, NFL Combine next week in Indianapolis. It's uh, I kind of forgot about this. I guess it was announced, and I don't think it was previously. It's a prime time event in terms of the workouts. I think it's starting like at 5 p.m. maybe or somewhere like that, and running until 11 p.m. Are you uh, the kind of guy that's going to sit back uh, and uh, watch uh, the safeties? Or I think they might be Saturday, but will you be watching uh, 40 times at uh, 9.30 uh, p.m. or something like that? <laughs> no way in Hades. But, you know, I do turn on for 10 minutes just to see what's going on and try to catch the uh, Rich Eisen 40, you know, just to uh, mm-hmm. say I saw it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Georgia will be well represented. 14 players, I think, is the number, uh, the most of any other program. So uh, probably another chance for uh, Georgia to kind of trumpet their national championship and, and all the talent that will be on display. I know, Ryan, that you are a big Jay Camarda fan. Unfortunately, I don't think they usually show the uh, specialists uh, at the Combine for their on-field workouts. So um, you'll have to wait for Jake to throw up some clips on his uh, social media. To Does he have a huddle? <laughs> I don't know if you don't. You, if you're about to be in the NFL, I don't think you're doing a huddle, are you? 
That'd I don't know. Hey, uh, some scary news. Uh, linebacker signee EJ Lightsey uh, was shot and uh, hospitalized. He's from Fitzgerald, uh, but it seems that um, you know he's uh, out of danger, at least uh, the last reports we heard earlier in the week. Um, he was one of their last signees, wasn't he? Yeah, he, he yeah. was in the February. Yeah. Uh, you know, a few guys that, that did that. So, uh, wish the best, obviously, for him. And um, uh, hopefully, uh, he'll be able to get back in, uh, you know, situation where he can um, get ready to, to become a bulldog. Mm-hmm. I think he's supposed to enter uh, in June, I think, is what mm-hmm. we heard. So. All right, Ryan, uh, Georgia Warren's basketball, last I saw, I think they were down to like a number six seed by ESPN's projections. I think they're 25th at, at Arkansas tonight, yeah. um, lost uh, at Auburn on Sunday. Uh, bad loss, bad loss. What are you, uh, are, are you thinking this? You know what? Maybe this will be the year when they're kind of stumbling towards the end. And they find something? Where they uh, make a run and they become an Elite A team or something. Yeah, that'd be good. They still hadn't made it uh, past second round in a few years, so they need to find something. Oh, is that a little challenge? Are you, uh... It is. They need to. Hey, <laughs> I mean... try, try not to be so critical because uh, maybe we'll try to get Joni Taylor on here before this tournament, okay? Uh, yeah, we'll ask her. I'll ask her straight up. Uh, all right, last thing. Um, did you see Stetson Bennett's first pitch uh, Friday before the uh, Bulldogs uh, opened up and swept to Albany? I saw it on Twitter. I mean, he reared back and threw a fastball into the dirt, didn't he? A little one-hopper. So you're saying you would not um, you would not feel good if he was going to be your uh, like uh, setup guy coming in the eighth inning? I mean, you know, Wild Thing had a – I mean, he was intimidating. Maybe that's what Stetson would be. You know, he uh, he played baseball in high school. Is that what he said? Pierce County. Yeah. So, uh, you know, he needs to stick to football. Maybe Jeez, not uh, – you were coming out with the uh, – Maybe not uh, hurt himself by trying to throw 110 on the, from the mound. I think we might have talked about this before. But Buck Ballou, uh good football – former Georgia National Championship quarterback, was a, a very good Georgia baseball player. Philly Henderson. Um, and uh, former Georgia signee, now transfer from Ole Miss to UCF, John Race Plumley. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was, played it. Was Miss. looking for a waiver to play baseball this season and uh, got denied by the uh, NCAA. Right. So um, I feel like there's always, uh, like every year or two, there's a uh, Georgia football player that, that was a pretty good baseball player. Terry Godwin? That you hear, yeah. That you, that you hear, uh, he's, he's going to be playing for the Bulldogs, but. Wait, isn't there somebody in the last like, year or two that, that signed and was supposed to do both? I think there was a uh, – was it a, a like a walk-on quarterback maybe? Uh, maybe so. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It comes up a good bit. We'll see. Uh, you know, a baseball team next year has a kid coming in from uh, Benedictine down in Savannah who was uh, – he might have been the dang player of the year for football, uh, you know, for the GHSA, and he's going to be playing baseball for Scott Strickland. All right, uh, everyone have a great weekend. Uh, maybe the Bulldogs will pull off an upset of the Gators. And, Tom uh, Hart will be there, so maybe so. Yeah, uh, well, he, he didn't mention the Vanderbilt thing, which was a loss. <laughs> That's he, true. He kind of forgot about that. Um, <laughs> he forgot about a good bit of <laughs> Yeah, uh, and uh, what else is happening? You know, uh, I, got, well, I think the women's, women's basketball tournament starts next week. Uh, everything else cranked up. Enjoy. I'll be at a concert at the Georgia Theater on Friday. That's something. All right. Is it uh, DMB? No, no, they're a little too small for them these days. But I am going to see them at the Orion Theater in Huntsville if anybody wants to join me early March or May, I mean. All right, we will talk to you uh, next week. Thanks, everyone.